0: Today on the Bill Kelly Show on 900 CHML. Ontario government has uh, introduced legislation to limit wage increases for public sector workers. Now that includes teachers and nurses and actually about a million different people around the province uh, to limit the uh, increases or any increases if there are going to be any increases at about 1%. uh, To suggest that uh, people have not uh, cozied up to this I think would be a massive understatement. Uh, Warren Smoky Thomas is the president of OPSU. He joins us here at the Bill Kelly Show to give us uh, his read on this. Uh, Smoky, thanks for the time. Uh, well, were, were you surprised by this?
1: Uh, no, not really. Um, the government had these uh, public sector consultations. They were a sham. Uh, they were led by a constitutional lawyer they hired from Bay Street in Toronto, so you could pretty much figure out what they were up to. And uh, we put in many, we put in, uh, I mean, I whacked them around pretty good in the consultation part, but we actually put in some detailed submissions on every sector and how to, the government could save money, how the government can save money on collective bargaining by doing sectoral bargaining, for example, all these sorts of things. None of they just apparently fell on deaf ears, and they've chosen to go this route of uh, passing a law that say you can't get any more than a 1% raise. So for the public out there, it's, it is about free collective bargaining. And that, that it's the same principle here as him ripping up that beer store framework agreement. I mean, you've got the Canadian American Bar Association supporting both the American Chamber of Commerce, Canadian Chamber of Commerce, on you can't do that. It undermines the rule of law. Free collective bargaining is enshrined, like, you know, freedom of association, which includes bargaining in the union, is in the Charter of Rights of you know, Canada's Charter of Rights. So the liberals tried this in the education sector with Bill 115. It was called a few years ago. They lost. And, uh, Ford's trying the same thing with a different kind of wrinkle. Uh, we got constitutional lawyers too, so our folks like our chances of, uh, having it declared, uh, illegal, but that takes time. So, but in the meantime, he's just, this is just another chill on democracy. Like this guy, I mean, I, and I, Bill, I just, I'm trying to figure him out. He stands for, you know, free enterprise and freedom of the people and everything else. And then he acts like a dictator, you know, ripping up a contract that's a bona fide contract, really puts a chill on business. Going after the average worker's charter rights is is just sends a a very chilling signal. And I'm I'm at a loss to figure him out, except that here's what I think. That Dean French guy is his chief of staff. He runs everything. You've got... Carolyn Mulroney, right, you know, solicitor general, she should be going, you ought not do this. Where, where's her voice? Where's this cabinet minister to stand up to him? You know, if this cabinet minister, cabinet group of cabinet ministers can't stand up to this guy, maybe it's time for some new cabinet ministers that will. But I don't know how Doug Ford's going to do that. And I predict that if anybody did stand up to him or did speak out against, uh, he'd toss him out of cabinet. The minister responsible is Peter Peter falsey I watched him. Yeah, he's, uh, he's
0: from the Treasury Board, yeah.
1: Treasury Board, yeah. So, for the people that, uh, you know, for your listeners, he's the guy that controls all the money, and he's the guy that controls labor relations. I watched his interview yesterday. He was having a hard time spitting those words out. Well,
0: let me ask you about that, you know? Smokey, because I, I, I watched that interview as well. Uh, and uh, and we've had Mr. Ben Lavery on the, on the program before, yeah. so it, it's, it's a very important position, Treasury Board, as you mentioned, with immense responsibilities. Yeah. But there was one quote there that just jumped out at me, and I said, i got to get Smokey to talk about this. He says, this is really good news for our public sector workers because we are protecting jobs today.
1: Yeah, but that's, that's not true. It, it, Taken, how can taking away your charter rights be good, right, for starters? But they're not saving jobs. They ran on their – his platform was not one frontline job will be cut. Well, we're losing front-line jobs every day of the week, every day of the week. And Bethel and Falvey can stand up and say this is about saving jobs, but they're not saving Frontline jobs—they're not laying off managers. They bought some out with bio packages, but they're not. I mean, there's way too many bosses in the public service for starters. They could start there. We put forward ideas to Bethlen Volby, Many of our ideas—I've met him a few times. He actually seems like a decent human being, you know. And some people on the left might get mad at me for saying that about a Tory, but there's some good people in that party, and he's one of them. But he, you know know—they're the, the changes to autism. We've got hundreds of workers, members in OpsU that are autism specialists. Well, they all got layoff noses and a bunch of them are gone already. Mm-hmm. They're not replacing frontline workers who do things like, you know, creating the birth certificates, death certificates, uh, doing, you know, on the counters when you're going to deal with a government agency. They're, they're not being filled. So he's talking to, you know, he's trying to, He's trying to dress up something to make it look like good news. Well, that? yeah. That's listen, I've ta-
0: I've talked to those people too. I just had a very emotional discussion, as a matter of fact, with a couple of people that are teaching assistants here in the Hamilton area. Yeah. Uh, those are the people that help special needs uh, students, etc., and and you know try to help out in the classroom. They play a, an integral role, uh, and they're they were f- and they've been doing this for quite a long time. Apparently, a number of years. Uh, they're both of them concerned now that they're not going to have a job at the end of this month. That they're not going to be called back in September because there's just not enough money uh, from no. the, the the education fund right now. Uh, yeah, and we, and and that's got to have huge ramifications.
1: Yeah, we we represent. Right now, we just had an education union support staff workers union join or merge, you know, affiliate with us. So we've got about a little over six thousand workers who work right in the classrooms, and they're all like, "Am I going to be renewed?" And the, those folks in the classroom that support kids with, uh, you know, with a variety of special needs and, and need assistance and support, if they're gone, those, those classrooms will be just totally disrupted. And there are threats of uh, fairly substantial numbers of layoffs as the school boards try and grapple with the cuts. So, you know, for a government that says they're for the people, well, I don't know, you know, what people they're for just exactly.
0: Well, there's a I couple of things here, 1%. Smokey. Let me ask you about this, because yeah. uh, quite aside from the the philosophical, because I know I'm going to get calls and emails. I yeah, always do yeah. when we have these conversations saying, oh, come on, these are fat cat teachers. They get the whole summer off. They make all kinds of money. Public service workers are overpaid. They, uh, You've heard all these things, and they're stereotypes, yeah. and, and obviously yeah. some governments love to play on that. Now my understanding is that the average public sector wage average is about sixty four thousand uh, bucks, which is not bad, but it's not great. Uh, and the average increase over the last number of years has been one point five percent. So it's not as if you guys are, are breaking the bank for the government.
1: Oh no, we took several years of zeros under the liberals, right? Under their uh, fiscal restraint. Yeah, no. So the well, problem with with this capping thing is employers in the public sector do need to address wage discrepancies. There's lots of occupations that in if you work in the government you, you you won't stay. You'll get a little experience and you'll jump because you can make five dollars 6 dollars an hour more working in the private sector. So there are, you know, parts of the government that have serious recruitment and retention problems. If you're and that average salary though, that takes in all the management ranks.
0: Yeah, that's what else, I mean. You
1: know, so so the workers' average salary is probably about fifteen grand a year or less. And there are some there are some well paid workers in the public service, but they've got four years of university plus another two years getting a PhD, getting a doctoral. Like, do you know what I mean? Like they they went to university four years to become a lab tech, uh, you know, genetic specialist, harm reduction specialist, uh, you know, mechanics, and and people that work. They call it like these are jobs that in the private sector they you know a lot of them would pay more, but. They like what they do. They believe in the public service, and and they used to like the stability of the public service, but for the last 10 years, and now in particular, it's very unstable. Uh, I predict they'll have more trouble uh, with recruitment and retention. But I could throw in one other point. Doug Ford created his fiscal crisis. The Liberals left him a mess. I I couldn't agree more. They left him a horrible fiscal mess, but he made it worse. He gave $3.8 billion in tax breaks to risk, the one percent, and corporations—they did not need that. You know, they there's even if you tax them a little more, they're still going to be rich. You know what I mean? Like so, he created a fiscal problem for himself. Now he's taking it off the backs of kids with autism, kids in the classroom, the public sector workers, people who work in developmental services, and there's a lot of people that work in the public sector who are not well paid. They have very difficult, demanding jobs. There's violence in the workplace. They so you know, they they put up with a lot. And they do it because they love what they do, and they're good, honest, hard-working people who don't deserve to have this guy treat them the
0: way he's treating. A couple of things here. we only got a couple of minutes left. And, and you, you've mentioned some of the shorter history here, Smokey, and its I think it's very germane to this discussion. Uh, in the deepest days of the recession back in 2009, which let's not forget was the worst recession we had in about 40 or 50 yeah. years, uh, they tried this and and the court said, "Okay, yeah, this is a dire circumstance here so it but later on, when the McGguin government tried to impose this, the court shut them down and, and it wasn't just as if, hey, there was public opinion of course against this. they actually went to court and the court said, You cannot do that it's it is against the charter and the, and as you mentioned, the collective bargaining. Yeah. Uh, I don't see that there's a financial crisis here uh, that, that that the premier's uh, alluding to here. So I got to wonder, I mean, when they rip up contracts like this or when they put arbitrary ceilings into things like this, uh, you know, they're, they're flirting with the law. And if the if courts come back and say you can't do this, uh, you know, where does that leave us? I mean, where's well, the, where, where's this all going? You mentioned that there could be a charter challenge on this.
1: No, there will be. My, if, even if other unions don't do it, my union will do one. But I think we're all going to throw in together and do it together, like put the best case forward. Well, here's what happened: and the liberals did it in the education sector, and it was ruled uh, unlawful. Well, how do you unscramble the egg? So we, you know, we ended up in uh, settlement discussions for about uh, I don't know, almost a year, and then they had to pay out. So they had to pay out to the workers; they had to get like a lump sum payment, which would have been equal to some sort of a raise. Yeah. And and but it was a black eye on government for doing it. So he's got lawyers that are thinking, you know, like. Uh, uh, you know, we can do this if we go really take this angle. But you're right, he cannot, and I'm absolutely convinced, he cannot prove financial hardship because when you're giving tax breaks to rich, like he's going to, I predict that he's going to look so bad on this and he's putting a chill on business. And I am not anti-business. I, Honest to goodness, I am not. You know, 90, 90% of jobs in Ontario and across Canada are in small business, small and medium-sized business, and this guy's not going to make life better for them. Like, he just, he's not. And the private sector, I mean, I talk to people in the private sector who are, who are non-union and, and in industries during the hardest of times, they were getting 2% raises and government workers were taking zero. So, and I get, you know, you're right about that public opinion and all that stuff, but still, uh, fair is fair. And if they're coming for us, who are they coming for next? That's what I really would like every worker in this province to think about. What chill are they going to put on your work? The business yet where you work is it going to survive? How's it? You know, they are going to prosper? And we want business to prosper. And I don't want Doug Ford to make mistakes because when they make mistakes, people get hurt. Right?
0: Yeah, but here's the and and I understand that Ford's got some support. I get that he won the election and he's the premier. He's got a majority government. But but even people, I don't, if you're the strongest Doug Ford supporter, there are consequences to the actions that governments take. And we've already seen an example. This isn't hey, this might happen. I mean, you know, after he tore up those contracts, the green energy contracts, after he got elected, about three months later, remember he tried to cut a deal off Hydro One with a California yep. company? And yep. they basically t- said, get lost, because we don't trust you. They said, you throw, you tear contracts up arbitrarily, we don't want to do business with you. And that's just one example of a multi-million dollar company that said they don't want to invest in Ontario. How many more are going to start reacting like this if he keeps ripping up contracts?
1: Yeah, free trade will won't meet a darn thing. It'll be him that kills our economy and not free trade. Really. So.
0: Well, so therein lies part of the problem here that there are going to be some 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 ramifications. there's going to be some pushback and I'm not talking about from the population. I'm talking about from business.
1: Oh yeah, oh people with deep pockets that can make or break you and, and that's that's not an understatement right? those uh, and oh taking them beer companies on, he's also flirting with uh, you know that that's there's a free trade agreement in place. they're not Canadian companies or outside the country. Like he he just I don't know whos well that Dean Ford guy advised him, but he's getting bad advice, and his cabinet ministers need to find their collective voice and stand up and say, "Enough is enough." right, They're, "Come on, now let's settle down, let's be more thoughtful here, right, and think things through uh, before we go make an announcement that turn the world upside down and get us into all kinds of trouble.
0: Well, bottom line here is there are going to be some contract negotiations coming up pretty shortly. This is actually yeah. going to sour the, I would think, the atmosphere in that room when you guys get across the table from each other.
1: Yeah, uh, no, we're we the education sector is up. like I say we yeah. got there's a council for bargaining there. So yeah, we don't anticipate it uh, you know, going very well. But but you know, if he'd had just left it alone, left it up to the employer, we're not we're we're not dumb people. We're mature. These contracts are mature. If the employer sits there and they give you disclosure and say, look, here's the money we got to work with, guess what? Unions work with them. And maybe you don't get a raise this time. Or maybe you keep pace with inflation or somewhere in there. Like, there was absolutely no need for him to wade in on this, except I believe, because the teachers are in bargaining right now, he doesn't like the teachers because of their relationship with the liberals in the past. And for him, for this guy, it is personal. And if he just left us alone... We've bargained through the Harris years. We've bargained through, you know, the 15 years of the Liberals. We bargained through uh, Bob Ray. The unions can just bargain through and and come up with an, an agreement that the workers will ratify, the employers, you know, reasonably happy with, everybody's reasonably happy with it. But when you start to Im- impose, you know, things like this, uh, then he's, he is souring the table and it makes it harder for management to come to the table and, and bargain, frankly,
0: so. Smokey Thomas, president of OPSU. Uh, obviously, it's going to be kind of a raucous time over the next few months, Smokey. I'm sure we'll stay in touch. Thanks for this today. Oh, thank you, Bill. Appreciate it. It's, uh, uh, just That's Well, the dark cloud you see on the horizon is the t- the negotiations with a number of these public sector employees and the government. Uh, if this, Well, it will move through. That's a majority government, so they're going to get this done. The Bill Kelly Show, weekdays from 9 to noon on 900 CHML.